With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Welcome to Happy, Sad, Confused. This week, a true legend, Warren Beatty, one hour with the iconic actor, filmmaker, and activist. I'm Josh Horowitz. With me, as always... Hi. Is Sammy. You knew your cue so well. Because I started gesturing to you well, yeah, frantically. Well, yeah, you had your hand an inch from my face. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like six inches at least. Yeah, I exaggerated. Um, thanks for tuning in, as always, guys, to the podcast. Uh, we're going to get to Warren Beatty in a second. I do want to mention, just because everybody's talking about it, and it's very much like on my mind and everybody's mind, this is our first podcast post-election. <sighs> <sighs> And this is not a political podcast. That being said, I think a lot of me comes through the conversations. So it's fair to say that uh, for the next four years, you're going to hear <laughs> my thoughts on on the presidency and the fact that we're dealing with a, a president that um, I don't have much faith in and mm-hmm. I certainly didn't vote for. And um, it's it's it, it's an upsetting time for a lot of people. That being said, some some of you listeners may support him. That's fine. That's your right. You can listen to me or not listen to me. That's that's up to you. Um, I would say that like a lot of people in the last week or so, I've been vacillating between great despair Ugh, and anger and anger mm-hmm. and, and pockets of hope and enthusiasm. I think one of the positives I'm taking about uh, out of this experience is I've always been a somewhat political person, somewhat, you know, I consider myself a liberal, but this election and these events have kind of like energized me and I certainly for myself feel uh, it incumbent upon me to use whatever powers I have for good and mm-hmm. and that means you know shouting from the rooftops when I see things that that don't make sense um, appointments that don't make sense hateful figures like a Steve Bannon who is uh, potentially part of the White House who who Just runs mind boggling so I mean all all I'll say is you know. It's again. You all are welcome to this podcast, but uh, if you are frustrated, if you if you are not supportive of this president, I mean, he's our president. I'm not denying him that, but um, I think it's incumbent on all of us to um, to speak up more than ever and to uh, to donate your time, your money, your energy to organizations that can help. Um, NRDC is a great environmental group, the Natural Resources Defense Council, the ACLU. Um, you know, these are going to be organizations that are going to be more vital than ever in the next four years. Um, and Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. I mean, and also, and, you know, the media. I mean, the, get a subscription to the New York Times, guys. Support, um, you know, these organizations that are that are speaking truth to power. So um, that's my rant. Uh, but you know what? Yeah. We've gotten two good things that have come our way this week, you know? What are the two good things? The things are dark, but there have been two blessings. Okay. One, friend of the family, friend of the show, (laughs) Dwayne The Rock Johnson has been named Sexiest Man Alive. We always knew it. I mean, between you and me, we've always referred to him as the Sexiest Man Alive. So to feel justified in that, it makes me feel like I'm not crazy. Right. (laughs) Some some good is happening in the world. Yeah. And then uh, also, uh, you have Warren Beatty on the podcast. And and I will say, yes, segueing into this, and there is a there's an accurate segue uh, or an apt one in that Warren Beatty has been a very um, fervent political figure throughout the years. He's been a a, he was a friend to JFK. I mean, he was he he campaigned hard for George McGovern. He he's flirted with with um. 
uh, running uh, for elected office himself. We talk a little bit about that in the conversation. Um, This uh, was a a huge bucket list interview for me. I know I've said that probably about some people, but but well, you've had some good people. (laughs) Yeah, but but I mean, like invariably over the last few years, when people have asked me who I've never interviewed before, Warren Beatty was at the top of the list, and partially because he hasn't really done any interviews in about twenty years. Uh, He's back in the public eye uh, because he's returned to filmmaking with his first film since Bullworth way back when uh, and it's called Rules Don't Apply and it opens next week and it stars him as Howard Hughes and it stars Lily Collins and Alden Ehrenreich and it's kind of a dramedy uh, set in the in the waning days of the Hollywood studio system and as the sexual revolution is about to get going. It's kind of like the conflict of those two worlds and uh, it's, it's funny. It's dramatic. Uh, it's got an amazing ensemble uh, and it's well worth your time. I would heartily recommend it. Um, as for Warren Beatty himself, uh, this guy is is a fascinating character. He he kind of is one of those like figures like a like a Muhammad Ali or something that stands for he's, the 20th century. So he century. walks in the room and like what's it like? Well, I mean it's 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 it, he's he's a he's a mass of contradictions. This is a, a consummate talker with more stories than anybody uh, on the planet. Yet he is a near recluse and has, as I said, hasn't talked publicly for nearly 20 years. He's you know he's a, a family man has been married for 25 years to Annette Bening and has four kids and is very proud of them. Yet is like notoriously like the fam- most famous like Lothario in Hollywood history. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like has leading man looks, but he like likes to play the buffoon in movies. Like he's a very and he's a very intelligent guy. Um, he he he's a challenging interview um, uh, for for some and, and and at times for me in that he weighs his words very carefully. Mm-hmm. He knows they have power. He knows they can be taken out of context. He's he, been in the game, but he's also. Perfectly polite, perfectly mm-hmm. sweet, and 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 never. If he doesn't want to answer a question, he'll simply say, uh, "I don't know" or whatever, and just move on. Um, so this was this was a fun challenge for me, and we really cover a ton in this conversation. Um, of course, rules don't apply. Uh, his beginnings, um, you know, being directed by Ilya Kazan and through Bonnie and Clyde, and then into the many films, frankly, that he's turned down over the years. Did you know he was he was offered The Godfather, no, and Kill Bill, no, Boogie Nights. <laughs> so oh, I mean. I wish you took them. Yeah, I know. Kind of me too. I mean, they all worked out well. But um, and he talks very candidly about why he didn't take any of those those uh, films. Uh, mm-hmm. And Superman too. Superman, the original Superman, he was offered. So yeah, a lot of crazy stories. This was a true pleasure and an honor to have um, Warren Beatty on. Check out uh, Rules Don't Apply when it opens next week. Um, this doesn't happen very often, so I'm very privileged that he uh, came by to chat. Uh, enjoy a solid, a full-throated hour. You got an hour of Warren Beatty coming at you guys. Real deal. Uh, I hope you enjoy it, and uh, we'll see you next week with someone. That we'll get. Now we have to live up to Warren Beatty. It's sorry. Oh God, this, this is, is the last, this is the last one. episode. <laughs> Bye, guys. We're done. <laughs> no, we'll be back. Uh, enjoy. The Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe. It's electrified. So you can boogie, woogie, woogie into the forest. Boogie. Boogie, woogie, woogie through the mud. Or boogie, woogie, woogie to work, where you boogie, woogie, woogie down the hall to your boss's office to tell him you quit. Shortcut the boogie. Then you boogie, woogie, woogie to the elevator as he boogie, woogie, woogies after you, begging, please, take me with you. Boogie. The electrified Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xE. Learn more at Jeep.com. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. I'm telling Warren Beatty what to do for a change because you're usually the director, the captain of your own ship. Uh, That's very kind of you. Welcome yes. to my podcast, my little old podcast. It's, 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 
It's it's nothing short of thrilling to be. Thank you. <laughs> he's like, he's, if, in case you thought he missed a step in his acting yeah. ability, clearly he's a he's a consummate actor because he sold that line. Um, mm-hmm. So this is exciting. I'm rules mm-hmm. don't apply as the film, and it's it's interesting to me in that you've you've really put yourself out there in a big way. Like we hadn't seen you talking to folks like me to the media for close to twenty years. Mm-hmm. Has this been an enjoyable experience? Has it been a different kind of an experience to, to run around doing this kind yeah, of thing? It's yeah. a little bit like being with George McGovern in New Hampshire and Wisconsin in 1972. It's um, <laughs> kind of fun. Okay. Yeah. Has the do you do you feel like the process? from your vantage point, has changed significantly in terms of the way media covers film, the way the kind of press that you do, or does it feel similar to what you were doing the last on the last go-around for Bullworth? No, I don't. I don't think it was. By the way, did I do this kind of thing for Bullworth? I, I don't. I mean, to a degree, we were talking before we started. I you did, did the Charlie Rose show and like some things. You probably didn't do as much. Yeah, well, there's certain things that you did. I, I didn't used to do any of this much. I, I would do it as a political activist. Right. But to sell a movie, it, I always found it a little – I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Something unsavory about it a no, little no, bit? No, no. I wouldn't say unsavory. I would I'd say um, um, transparently self-aggrandizing uh, uh, sure. and uh, inflating. Well, and it's interesting also. You were at the – kind of the apex of like a shift in the way movies were marketed or when I think of Dick Tracy, for instance, Mm -hmm. Dick Tracy kind of came Mm -hmm. like in the wake of of Batman, which kind of started, Mm -hmm. I think, Mm -hmm. the merchandising boom, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And you guys, I feel like, I mean, I remember at the time, the posters, the, the toys, the video games, did that sit, was that, did that feel okay for you given the material? Did it feel weird? That was fine. Yeah. That was fine. Yeah. Um, But, um, you know, I go back a lot further than that. So sure. there was a time when there was some effort to be tasteful. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. For those uh, with good memories, yes. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, do, do you at this point, do you remember what it's like to be anonymous, to not be recognized? Um, anonymity is a difficult thing to regain. I think not possible, in fact. Well, let's hope it's not possible, I guess, is the better way to say it. Um, so your question was, do I remember it? Yeah. Anonymity? Yeah. Yeah, sure. And do you – Do you, I, I would assume it's, it's not a useful tactic to lament the loss of it decades on into a, a successful <laughs> career. But is, are there things that along – when you, when you became famous with Splendor in the Grass that you immediately missed – was, well, uh, did it feel like an immediate uh, shift? <clears throat> there's something that I like about. Uh, there's something to to. It has its good things and it has its bad things. Uh, anonymity. Uh, 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 the loss of anonymity does bring you a kind of access sure. that it wouldn't uh, have brought you before. But then, um, but then, uh, if I would think back at the earliest uh, moments, I remember walking out of a hotel. Um, and when I was suddenly being whatever you call it when you got into your first movie and the sure. movie happened to be whatever – a hit, mm-hmm. you know. And I walked out of the hotel on my way to uh, – across the sidewalk to get into a uh, limo and there were a group of uh, young women standing there and, and there was one in particular who thought, oh, are you, you're, you're Warren Beatty. You're Warren Beatty. And I said, yes, yes, I am. She said, I can't believe it. And I said, well, she said, I can't believe it. You're nothing. 
And I, <laughs> wow. and I thought, hmm, okay. Uh, I was like 22 or something like that. It was a kind of a learning moment, yeah. you know? <laughs> Five seconds of bliss. It, it, and didn't, then... it didn't affect me too, too, too negatively. I got into the car and I thought, <laughs> no. oh, I get it. I get it. This is mixed. This is mixed. <laughs> and uh, yeah. That's uh, yeah, but it does, as I said, give you access. Yes, uh, which is um, which is a great gift. Yeah. So I've taken the opportunity when I knew I was going to talk to you to um, to rewatch many, if not most, of your films, which has been a, a distinct treat. Um, are you a, thank you? Are you a reflective person? Do you do you ever if uh, one of your films is on TV? Do you? I think you're saying, am I a narcissistic person? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm trying to start uh, uh, off in a nice way, but uh-huh, sure. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that I'm in the norm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So one of the films that I rewatched uh-huh. recently that I loved at the time and yeah. I still love to this date yeah. is Ishtar. I couldn't agree with you more. Ishtar it's a, is – It's a, a very funny movie a, which had a, a very, very strange uh, – the, the company that financed Ishtar changed hands right. exactly at that moment and there was a wish – to make the previous management look bad. Right. And uh, that's uh, – rather than dwell on it, I'll just leave it at that. But it's a, it's a movie. You know, Elaine May is as good as they come. And, uh, and, and uh, <laughs> I, 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 someday people will actually see that movie. Well, I think there's already a, a core group of us. Yes. And yes. I think it's growing, frankly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully, like, yeah. like a virus. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I think uh, yes. like the first act of that film, for instance, I would mm-hmm. say is as good as any comedy that I love. Like the first, like especially uh-huh. before you guys go off on your adventure. The, the rest is good too. I like. Uh-huh. But I think you and Dustin and your um, and this is a recurring theme I think throughout your career. Your willingness to look like an idiot. Yes. <laughs> yes. Is, fa- is fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? <laughs> <laughs> These yeah. are sitting in judgment. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I, I, that also struck me about watching that film is, um, it, you know, it's clearly a film that recalls the Hope and Crosby films of the uh-huh. day, and and uh-huh. and um, a, a film that loves kind of old Hollywood. Uh-huh. And and your new film, uh, Rules Don't Apply, would seem to have convey an affection, a complicated maybe affection yeah. for old Hollywood. Like it seems like in yeah. watching the movie, there's certainly a nostalgia that's. Also colored with some complexity, uh, given the sexual politics of the time. Yeah. Well, for me, the movie um, in its uh, evolution became very much about um, the hypocrisy of American uh, sexual puritanism uh, of that period, which was beginning to erode uh, with the uh, advent of uh, the increase of feminism in the late 50s and then in the early 60s and the mid-60s, which of course led to what we've grown to call the sexual revolution of the 1960s. But but that um, continues to evolve and more and more we are uh, less the laughingstock of France or other countries. Your, your performers, your two lead uh, performers in the film who are both exceptional, Alden Ehrenreich and Lily Collins, obviously yeah. born far after the events that you talk about. Did you kind of have to educate them to a degree in terms of 
what that environment was like? Um, well, first of all, they're both smarter than I am, but um, I, there were certain things I did uh, inform them of. But also there is something that's deep within the American psyche that has to do with probably the Massachusetts Bay Colony and Jamestown, Virginia, et cetera, because this uh, Puritanism still, still exists. Sure. And, um, um, and I'm not knocking it. Totally, I. I uh, but it. It. What. What I feel is that it is a, a, a good uh, grounds for some. I mean, the consequences of this Puritanism are very often comedic. Yeah, and then there also can be very sad. So, I. I. Um. It. It. it it's. It's fun material to work with. One of the. Um. The curious things I thought. I mean, Lily's character at one point <clears throat> kind of confesses that. Maybe she doesn't have the talent to kind of realize her initial dreams of being mm-hmm. a great mm-hmm. actor. Is that something that you ever felt early in your career that like you were getting accolades that surpassed what you yourself felt you were worthy of? Um, uh, my feelings of um, – I, 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 I would never admit that I wanted to be an actor when I was uh, 18 or 17 or – I I didn't I I thought I was very interested in writing and directing movies, making movies. My sister Shirley McLean was a movie star, right. and I thought, wow, that's very impressive. And then I came to New York, and I, um, I I had spent a year at Northwestern University. Then I came to New York, and I I played piano in a bar for a, a, a while, and then I, I I did a very lucky thing. I went to uh, Stella Adler. To, to study acting, and then uh, she, uh, I think, um, she made a big difference. Yeah, she thought I should be an actor. And was that validation important at the time to hear, like Stella Adler, who obviously is so? It was something new for me because I had yeah. no intention of, of of being an actor. But she was very inspiring, as was her ex husband Harold Clorman, who mm-hmm. would uh, come and 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 and. Uh, Lecture and uh, so the, 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 I began to take acting very seriously. I didn't think about movies. Right. I thought about the theater, and um, I still intended to write and direct. Um, so you could m- maybe say that I, I I wanted to defend myself from the ambition of wanting to be an actor, sure, movie actor. <laughs> Uh, it, it, and and that because you you started producing relatively early on with was Bonnie and Clyde the first time you produced correct that's the first time I produced a movie yeah. so you it sounds like that wasn't out of necessity of that particular project it was so always always part of the plan to kind of collaborate I, I, on that um, level I I, I was uh, got lucky again I made uh, my first movie with uh, Kazan right and Kazan was a great director and a terrific producer and I saw that I felt I could do that. And he was encouraging uh, uh, me to do that. And um, then I thought, well, okay, let's hurry up and do it. And then I, I saw the way that the, uh, the game was being played in Hollywood. And, and that, was at, that was really the end of the studio system. Mm. When, um, um, the, that was, when I went out there, that was the, the, the moment when they were stopping putting – Actors under, under contract, contract. Sure. Yeah. and so the, I, I, um, I saw that in order to be uh, not angry, I would have to take charge myself and see what happened. And 
that, that, that's what I did. I'm curious, like, is there any aspect since you were kind of part of that shift, you saw the before and after? Because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot to lament, frankly. And I know you've, you've kind of talked a lot about this a little bit in terms of like where Hollywood's at today and the, the, the in-between movies that we're losing that are just not being made by studios. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what were there – aspects of that studio system that you almost wish we could go back to or is it just do we need a different model do we you know i'm anointing you king of hollywood what 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 are your first things that you enact that can bring us well what i I would say that a a major change uh took place um in um when when the uh, tell me when i get really boring about this because it won't happen the the uh when the supreme court uh, consent decree was passed in in I think it was 1948, mm-hmm. splitting uh, distribution from financing. Then, um, uh, excuse me, I didn't mean distribu- splitting distribution from money. I mean exhibition. In other words, the studios were forced to divest themselves uh, of their theaters right. uh, because it was monopoly. Well, guess what? It was the theater owners that more or less made movies a two-hour art form so it could sell tickets twice in one night. Sure. And um, so uh, things really began to change at that point. And, um, and, uh, and, and then we didn't know about uh, uh, the effects of what television would bring about. This is, you know, before I came into it. But, but uh, the, the – um, so now – what has changed very much is that um, is that I would think just the people's uh, lifestyles have changed. Uh, yes, they they want to know what they're going to do with their time, and they can control it, and they can uh, uh, they they want a guarantee of how they're going to spend the time, whether it's whatever pizza they want or whatever uh, burger that they want. They want to know what they're going to get. And I call those burgers and those pizzas uh, sequels. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. I mean what we're seeing the multiplex, it's it's comfort food basically. You know what you're going to get if you're going to be foolish enough to leave the house. Yeah. And um, so I think that has changed the content of, uh, of, of movies. Uh, and I think that um, that the content of movies will not um, so uh, be as predictable and, um, when there is some arrangement made that uh, that um, w- we can see the movie um, immediately uh, in both places, both right. at home and, and and in the theater. Because I think the most overriding factor of our life today is the brevity of all uh, – of, of, let's put it this way, the brevity of our attention span. Yes. So we're aware of something for a week or two weeks and then it's old news. Well, yeah. Um, I mean you'll get – to apply to the films, films used to run in theaters for months at a time yeah. and the and – yeah. It's a two or three week window. It feels like. Yeah. So this has changed gradually over yeah. the years. The, the first movie that I produced, which was Bonnie and Clyde, was uh, uh, it took um, uh, the the good example of that was uh, Time Magazine that panned the hell out of the movie, feeling it was uh, immoral to mix comedy and violence mm-hmm. that way. 
it, it, it panned it so badly that it even criticized the size of the dollar bills that were used in one scene. It was absolutely vicious. That was in the middle of August and then the picture kind of uh, – then the young critics kind of didn't feel that way and then in Europe they went – they loved it. And then – so it was August and September and October and November and then in December, Time Magazine, as one example uh, – um, Put the movie on its cover right. and said it had changed, you know, movie making and stuff. That wouldn't happen today. Um, um, if, if it happened, it would happen in a week or two. Right. The cycle is just so yeah. accelerated. It's and, insane. And uh, I, I don't know that the human brain is any faster now than it was then. Some might argue it's slower. Well, let us say that with the – Lessening of the attention span, there is there is not the depth that used to exist regarding certain subjects. You're listening to Happy, Sad, Confused. We'll be right back after this. Shifting gears for a second, I do want to talk about a little bit the casting of the film. We talked about Lillian Alden. One one thing I also enjoyed is just the amazing cavalcade of, of actors that you've brought into the ensemble here, some of which you've worked with in the past. And you've, you've, you've done that a lot in the films you've directed. I mean, I think of people like Oliver Platt and Paul Servino. It's good to see those people that are always fantastic in this film. Uh, just curious, did you, did you approach someone like Nicholson, who obviously is a, is a On friend? On this movie? Yeah. No, no. But yeah. uh, I, I've worked with Jack and he's one of the great actors. But actors are everything to me. Actors, when I'm... When I'm acting and directing, I sort of feel that the other actors are sort of co-directing. You right. know, I can tell from somebody's instincts uh, what are, what what that other actor is feeling and thinking without right. them saying anything. You can just kind of feel it. Right. And those actors, I, I think, um, uh, acting is there's nothing more important uh, than acting and. Um, <clears throat> so I've been lucky in, in in being able to get really good actors to come in because uh, they make me act better. Um, the one thing <clears> – excuse me. The one thing that is an advantage when you're uh, acting and directing at the same time, which – well, you know, there's one thing about uh, directing. You say, well, directing, you want to be in control, but yeah. you want to be slightly out of control of being in control. And sure. then as an actor, you want to be out of control. And then, But you have to be sort of in control of being out of control. So you're <laughs> being out of control of being in control, but of being out of control of being in control and being in control of being out of control. Oh, my God. So what the, the end result <laughs> you is – You win, Warren Beatty. Yes. So the, the end result is that – that if you are uh, um, directing and acting at the same time, at least you have one actor that sort of knows what the director <laughs> has in mind. Fair enough. Not completely, but, right. but, but somewhat. Do you think – is there any difference in your mind between uh, a great actor and a great movie star? Do they go hand in hand? Can you be one without the other? I, I would think they go hand in hand, yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah, um, I, I guess so. I mean, although one could argue that 
the quote-unquote importance of movie stars today is different. It means less at the box office for what it's worth. And I don't know, again, if that goes back to some of the things you were talking about before or if it's the type of actors that are leading films now or have something different than the folks that you came of age with. I don't know the answer. I think that uh, everyone is more informed now. Mm. That, And this is all a product of the technology. So I don't think that actors or politicians or anybody uh, are, are, are as mysterious as they used to be. Sure. Uh, that's one reason why I wanted to have Howard Hughes be in this movie. He was able in those times to be – Mysterious in the same way that Greta Garbo right. was um, uh, able to be mysterious. Mm-hmm. She, 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 she would keep you wondering. Yeah. <clears throat> I hasten to add that sadly I never got to meet Greta Garbo. Because, Nor Howard Hughes, right? Uh, I never met Howard yeah. Hughes either. But I like to think that I met everyone who had met Howard right. Hughes. You're one degree away. <laughs> and I, exactly. And I would hear these stories that all made me laugh. They just were funny yeah. because it was – they all liked him but it was impossible to deal with. Sure. Yeah. The, um, so jumping around a little bit, forgive yeah. my scattershot uh, questions. But um, Dick Tracy, I yeah. absolutely adore. Um, and, and there's so many things I, I love about that. I mean – it's a bold movie in terms mm-hmm. of just the aesthetic, obviously. Mm-hmm. Was that something that – because I know initially you weren't going to direct it. You talked to a few different filmmakers. Was that always part and parcel of your vision for the film, that it had to be those primary colors mm-hmm. shot in this way, using the, the extreme makeup? Did you always kind of have that vision from the I start? I always feel that, that, that directing or anything that somebody takes seriously, you're better off in some sort of collaborative spirit particularly if you have the final say. Right. Um, and um, so I, I would always have more fun on a movie if I had somebody else to direct it or, and, and, or to be there and write it. I believe in collaboration. Yeah. I believe in um, a dialectic, establishing some sort of dialectic, not necessarily an argument. But a dialectic and uh, that uh, where people are feel free to say exactly what they think very candidly without fearing that they're destroying the process and that uh, that uh, in in that uh, and, and that that's uh, very productive to um, be able to but it it of course is uh, more enjoyable if you have the final say yes. Uh, but I do think it's important. It's important to have more than two people in that dialectic, right? Because it shouldn't become an ad hominem uh, contest of well, who's smarter, you or me, right? Uh, on an unconscious or unconscious level. But if you have three or four or five people participating in a in an, an affectionate, uh, constructive uh, way. Uh, that that's what you strive for. So if you take Dick Tracy or really any of the movies that I've done, um, I'm kind of good, I think, at putting together what could be called a committee. Um, Well, who would be on that committee, for instance, on something like Dick Tracy? Like would you count like Sondheim or your editor or who is it? uh, 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 
it depends. I mean, sometimes it's said that uh, a camel is a horse made by a committee. <laughs> well, okay, that's fine. But camels are very helpful. Sure. I mean, look what they did for David Lee, for instance. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, I'm talking about Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> uh, so, my my feeling is that um, the more um, well, well, if you take uh, Dick Tracy, I had Vittorio Storaro as a cinematographer. I had Dick Silbert. I had uh, Milena Cananero. I mm. had um, uh, um, Stephen Sondheim, yeah. uh, and 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 very very good actors. Very good actors. I I um, I think that. Um, and actors that are going to like extreme places, like clearly they put their trust in you because like that those – I mean what Dustin was doing, what Al was doing, those are yeah. – you can look like a fool again if you're well, not in the right hands and you're not collaborating with someone you trust. They are trusting and uh, and I'm – and I trust them. You know, yeah. uh, uh, they're uh, – Dustin and Al are <clears throat> – uh, an amazing combination. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it true that um, you still want to do another Dick Tracy film? I always have something in the back of my mind that helps me avoid actually going to work. <laughs> and um, uh, I, I, um, I have some thoughts about and, – and that's one of them. OK. Um, now, would you play and, Dick Tracy again or would you, would I, you let someone else have I, their I, I, I will not respond to your, <laughs> your offensive question. Why is that offensive? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious. <clears throat> no, I'm not. It's not offensive. I, uh, you're curious, and uh, and here's you're, you're here's right my answer. Totally, here's my yeah. answer to most questions. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's three words. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, I, 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 I got my... I got a three word answer. Ask me a political question. I got three three words for that too. So how do you feel about the election uh, that just transpired? Here are my three words. Okay. Don't start me. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you're you can be a, you're uh-huh. a delight, but you can also be a challenge for Thank someone you. like me. That's that, that's keeping me on my toes. It's good. I like okay. it. Good, good. Um, so yeah. I watched uh, I watched Bugsy last night. Really? I did. I truly did. Uh, my wife hadn't seen it, and it, and uh-huh. it was very enjoyable to um, let her see it and to see. I, I honestly think it's maybe my favorite of your performances. It's, really? It's um. Because I think it's something I feel like I haven't seen you do virtually in anything else. The mm-hmm. the um, I don't know. You, again, you go to some some dark places, and it's a very volatile yet charismatic character. That's very oh yeah, very interesting. Did you find it to be? Again, you were in the hands of Barry Levinson, so you had a great director to work opposite. A great screenplay by James Toback. Um, did you? I'm just curious. Like, what was exciting for you at that time? To was it exciting to not have to direct it and to let someone else? Well, it's be, just more fun. Yeah. It's more fun if you got guys like Barry and Jimmy, and 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 then what was that woman's name that played that other part? Uh, Net was she dying? Uh, I, I remember very well. Yeah, I mean that's uh, uh, a, a great uh, a group of uh, people. Yeah, it was. It was. It's really more fun if you have. Yeah. Collaboration, yeah. When you when you see that film, do you see you and Annette falling in love? And if you see those scenes yourself, can you see the germs of that? It took me, um, I would say, between four and seven seconds to fall in love with her and make me lose interest in the garlic chicken that I was eating when she was late for a lunch meeting. Uh, <laughs> I. I can be very decisive sometimes yeah. in my own head. I would never have said that to 
Although I did indicate it slightly to her. How, how was it indicated? I said, don't worry about me. I will not be giving you a bad time, but I... <laughs> I like you very much. <laughs> Fair warning. Yeah, yeah, and then yes. Uh-huh. Um, I also you we should, will we will be married now for twenty five years. Congratulations. Yes. Um, and uh, and twentieth century woman, by the way, which I haven't seen yet. Is apparently she's you, amazing. You yeah. have to see it. She's just just wonderful. <laughs> she's so good in it. It's. It's a very good movie, too. I've heard Mike Mills, yeah. great filmmaker, right? Yes. yes. Um, the yeah, one of my favorite ways to uh, warm up my 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 vocal my pipes before a yeah. uh, uh, podcast is to say twenty drawers took turns doing handstands on the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even, I'm yeah. not joking. I, uh-huh. I, I, yeah. I love doing that. Yes, it's effective. Well, that's good. I'm glad so to hear thank that. you for that extra. Yeah. Yes. That's a bonus. Well, it's always a pleasure. <laughs> was that something that 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 Bugsy it's actually that did? We had in the back of our mind for you when we made the movie, and it was. And, and Twenty-five years later, it's finally you thank us. Finally, it's just, the Oscar yeah. nominations were fine, but yeah. a guy on a podcast twenty-four-five years Means later, much more. Yes, <laughs> can we run through? <laughs> can we run through some of the adjectives that are sometimes assigned to you, and you yes. can tell me how you feel? Yes, agree, disagree. Yeah. Um, are you a perfectionist? I don't know. Okay. I don't know at what degree of obsessive compulsivity right. you get to be called a perfectionist. Okay. Would, would, would Annette call you a perfectionist? Would your friends? Her. Okay. Okay. Hopefully she'll be on the podcast. I will. Yeah. Are you going to do it? <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I hopefully will. Yeah. Put in a good word, please. Yes. I um, will. I will. Yeah. Obsessive? Again, Again it's on the scale. Uh, it's, um, I don't know how to – I don't know. I, I, okay. I, I, I guess I would qualify somewhat yeah. on that. Um, would you and I don't mm-hmm. I don't think of this as a negative term because I would call this myself this neurotic. It's interesting. Um, I, I I guess I want to uh, say yes to that because it can't be misinterpreted as being self-aggrandizing. Therefore, I might sound more <laughs> wonderful. <if I>. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, fine. Go with that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Why have you been so notoriously hard to pin down for for films in terms of like I know you you've been you've lived you've been living a great life you've been raising children in recent years yeah. I'm not even talking about the last 15 years I'm yeah. talking about throughout your career yeah. and some of the finest filmmakers mm-hmm. ever to walk the planet have been desperate to work with you yeah um, is there a particular reason that you can pinpoint of why it's always been tough for you to kind of like make that final decision to dive in and and work with I mean I could rattle off the 15 names that supposedly I've wanted to work with. Um, I would say I have had the luxury of being self-indulgent yep. and to um, experience that little thing that would be called quote-unquote life. Um, I've been uh, – I have to knock on wood again. Um, we'll bring in some wood for I you. Can find <laughs> uh, There's I, wood in there somewhere. Somewhere. It feels woody. <laughs> Yeah. The uh, I feel uh, that I've been lucky um, to um, work basically when I felt very motivated to work. Right. Um, I, I uh, I've taken a couple of paydays, but not very often. But as you can see, I haven't made a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Probably fewer than anybody who's been around. In fact, somebody told me yesterday that I've been making movies longer than anyone who's still making movies. (laughs) 
Clint was doing television when I right, when right. started. But, <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, I would say that um, um, the question is about obsessiveness. Well, that, that we, we moved off that. I guess it was just getting you to – like for instance, like I, I always think of Kill Bill, which is a film that I love that, ah, that yeah. Tarantino did. Yeah. And David Carradine did an excellent job. Yes, I think he was yes. amazing in it. But I will always wonder what it would have been like to see you play that character. Was that something what, – what, what ended well, up making you – Well, I had a very specific reason. I think Quentin is wonderful. Mm-hmm. He's a very good friend. I believe it was my suggestion that David Carradine would be best for it. Um, uh, but I didn't want to leave my kids. Uh, I had, you know, I have four kids that I yeah. like to say are like four small Eastern European countries, and uh, I send ambassadors and try to get a text <laughs> answered, etc. And I said to Quentin, I think, uh, and he was shooting the movie in China, and I thought you're going to be over there for. Um, a long time. <laughs> a long time. And he said, no, it will be only Bo. And, but, of course, he did. In fact, he was over there for exactly the time that I predicted. <laughs> uh, I would love to work with Quentin. And, uh, yeah. But that's a – you know. I, I, Can I run through a couple others? That sure. Tell me if they were true. Um, did you turn down Mark, Michael Corleone, Godfather? Uh, yes. Regret or, again, just one of those things? Oh, it's worse than that. When, when, when I uh, – when uh, – before Francis ever got involved with it, uh, Charlie Bluedorn had uh, uh, commissioned the book to be written. I think he had paid $24,000 to Mario Puzo to write, to, to, to write a book. And, and Charlie liked Bonnie and Clyde a lot. And he, he, he sent it to me and uh, he said that I, uh, you could do whatever you wanted if you can produce it or write it, direct it. Whatever. And I said, Charlie – I read The Galleys. And I said, Charlie, oh, no. there's no movie no. here. <laughs> I said, these are uh, – in fact, uh, I said the same thing to Charlie that Jack Warner said to Walter McEwen, who was running the production at Warner Brothers, when he said yes to Bonnie and Clyde. He said, Walter, these movies went out with Cagney. And that's in a, in a letter that's in the museum at Warner Brothers. You, you don't say yes to Bonnie and Clyde. This is ridiculous. And so I stupidly said relatively the same thing in relation to The Godfather. It was karma. It which, evened is a, it out. which is a great movie, yes. I have to say. But I was not the only one. Uh, Jack did. Sure. Uh, a number of people did. Uh, Boogie Nights, P.T. Anderson, did you – with that I part? felt that I didn't want to do a movie about uh, porn when when I when when I was having these kids, and, um, and that's probably a snobby. I, by the way, I think it's a very good movie. Absolutely, and uh, PTA is a very very good director, and I I didn't say what a great director I think Francis is. So I mean. I read actually one of the, the great unrealized projects that I've always wanted to see that probably will never see now is that Megalopolis film that he was yeah. doing. That I think you were even also he talked to you about potentially. I, I did not know about that. Oh, okay, this one only one of his yeah. kind of like grand. I mean, missions. I know about Megalopolis. Yeah, I didn't know that he had any interest in in my being in it. Um, now, you and Woody Allen go way, way back. Way I mean, back. You, I mean, you brought him into What's New Pussycat, as I recall. I brought right? him into What's New Pussycat. I saw him at the Blue Angel. I thought he was funny as hell, and that he should do the rewrite on the. Amazing. On the script. Frankly, between I've had him on the podcast, so between him and you, I've knocked off my bucket list. I have no one else to do at this point, so thank well, you. I can retire the podcast. Well, basically. there's nobody older. <laughs> it's not just because of that. <laughs> now, now yeah. correct. There's, there's some conjecture that you guys had a falling out or something, that you're not on good terms. Who, for me some and Woody? Yeah. No, no. Okay. No. Good. That's good to hear. No, I, 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 
I, I would not call us close, but but I have tremendous respect for him. And uh, no, uh, we had a falling out of that movie. We both right. fell out of that movie, and it caused both of us to become what may be called control freaks. Probably for the best. Because in way, he yeah. had written a much better script that was finally done, and I, thinking they couldn't do it without me, uh, walked away from it, and uh, <laughs> and they and they made it with uh, other O'Toole? people immediately. No. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you yeah. ever um, even entertained a meeting with like a, a Marvel or a DC about these comic book movies? Or is that I would imagine they would be interested in you? Yeah, Are you interested uh, in the, them? The, I um, I I think it's not in poor taste for me to say uh, that uh, I I believe they came to me first with Superman, and I and I I I thought it was I didn't think they were going to. Um, actually, make a movie of, of, well, of Superman. Yeah, to be fair, back be at that time, like it was a television yeah. show, and they said, "No, they're going to really spend some money on this." And I said, "Well, I, 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 I think this is kind of ridiculous." And they, no, you got to think about it. You got to think about it. And so I said to uh, my assistant, uh, "Run out and get me some uh, long underwear, would you?" And she said, "What are you talking about?" I said, <laughs> "Just get me some long underwear." And she said, "Well." Why? I said, don't ask why. <laughs> so she brings back the uh, uh, the long underwear, and I take off my pants. I put on the long – not in front of her, by the way. And I <laughs> take off my pants, and I put on the long underwear. I open the, the bathroom mirror, the full-length mirror, and I went to the telephone. I said, look, just forget about Superman. It's, it, it ain't going to happen. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then the movie was terrific. It was I terrific. Yeah, it worked out for the best for all It was terrific. Involved. I wouldn't tell that story if it hadn't been told right. around. I, I didn't uh, – I, I don't talk about movies that I turn down, but you seem to. I don't know. <laughs> well, others are. We're aware of these already. You're not breaking any news yeah, here. It's yeah. just interesting to hear. I thought Superman was a terrific movie. Yeah, fun, really fun. And I, I, I think the Marvel movies are fun. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, they're fun. Have you have you had final cut from the beginning from Heaven Can Wait on all the films you've directed? Yes, that's been important. I would imagine. I mean, that's something where. I've always had Final Cut, but I never exercise it really? with the people who were silly enough to have put up the the money. I, I shouldn't say silly, generous enough, True. or misguided enough, or trusting <laughs> enough, or whatever. Attach a positive word to that. <laughs> that if they um, um, to say, look, you know, I have a Final Cut, but if you have a ch- a change you want to see, then and you're willing to. Talk about it at length. Sure, I'll probably make the change. Yeah. So that's what a good guy I am. <laughs> we, we knew already, but now it's double okay. confirmed. Yeah. Is you. um. So I mean, do in effect all the films up to rules don't apply? Like, is it easy for you to arrive at that final cut, or is it laborious to get to? I mean, this, I wouldn't call it laborious, but it's not. It's not easy. Yeah. And I always quote Cocteau, who said, "A poem is never finished; it's only abandoned." Right. Well, the same thing with a movie. You could keep. Going and going and going forever. Would you – I mean if if the world allowed it, if the studio allowed it, would you still be editing Rules Don't Apply or do you feel – I you would able- still be editing Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> I would be doing shampoo. I would be doing Heaven Can – you know, all of them. There's more Happy, Sad, Confused coming up after this break. I know we, we don't want to talk about politics today for a number of reasons because it's almost – I don't know. It's too much to even handle my, my small brain to handle right now and I don't know what, what your feelings are. But Bullworth is a relevant topic and mm-hmm. it was two weeks ago and it's relevant today. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that would be a much different movie if you were making it today in this environment? It was 
prescient, I would say, in, in many ways. But uh, I don't know. Talk to me about the place you think it stands in culture today. Well, versus... I, I would say that it was prescient then. It, it ain't precious now. Prescient now. It's. Um, it's. Um, I, I think that um, here's what I believe that we are living in um, an era that we have not yet fully adjusted to the technology that we have been graced with or settled with. Right. And that uh, we are living in a cacophony of uh, screaming voices um, that uh, – conceal what I think are the voices of wisdom that need to be heard. And I think a lot of – well, I think sometimes of Oliver Wendell Holmes who said, uh, yeah, we have the First Amendment, but we, uh, we, we, we cannot uh, falsely yell fire in a crowded theater. Well, I'm not so sure that applies anymore. Yeah. I think you can yell anything anywhere – at any time, and it loses its currency uh, quickly. Um, that it goes into, if 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 it is a falsity, it will remain in the internet and into our uh, this technology that we are trying to understand, and that we have to be very very careful, and uh, and that. We have to accept that we don't know what the consequences of of this uh, uh, are. I, I mean, I think you could. I mean, I would even argue that we're, as of last week, we'd see what the consequences are. I mean, we, yeah. we saw these kind of echo chambers, this kind of like post factual world where you can sort of just make up your own stuff without accountability and. Well, you you can – we're at a point where you can say anything yeah. and then you can take it back. Right. And um, I think often uh, now of uh, Ronald Reagan who was in a, an unusual way. We were very good friends. Right. And he was a lot of fun. I was always, you know, a liberal Democrat. He was always a conservative. Not, well, he was not always a conservative Republican. Right. At one time he had been a Democrat. But he was a lot of fun. To talk to, and he was unpretentious, and he was uh, what I would call a good actor. And um, he once he had invited me to bring Reds to the White House, which I I uh, did, and uh, and uh, you know it's a three and a half hour movie with a communist hero. <laughs> so so uh, you know, and at intermission, it, by the way, last movie made with an intermission, we were standing outside, and he said to me that haunts me. Of something he said, um, you know, uh, I don't. And he was not trying to be funny at all. He said, I don't see how anybody could be president today without being an actor. And he wasn't joking. Um, and I think that that has become this this ability to interest people immediately and uh, spontaneously has become. Um, more and more prevalent, and I think it can be dangerous. Yeah. And um, the ability just to um, be spontaneous, and I'm not referring to any individual really, uh, 
can be very dangerous. And um, um, and 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 he he said something else at that same. We we're, were standing having a, a drink. Um, I think it was coffee, by the way, <laughs> uh, at this intermission uh, before we went back in. And he said, you know, today it seems like there's no business but show business. And that um, – Seems more true than ever now. <laughs> that hit home. And, uh, and as I see what's happening, I have to say, well, we should all be very calm yeah. and just wait and see um, what, what happens. Um, let's not outsmart ourselves. Uh, let's not be – Premature. How close did you ever come for running for office? Did you ever seriously consider it? Uh, um, you'd have to define seriously. <laughs> I, I never um, responded to it in the press. I never responded when it, when they were kicking it around publicly, and uh, and a lot of this happened, of course, after Bullworth, and also. In relation to you know, I, I've been a political, yes. politically active back to both Jack and Bobby Kennedy. Yeah. So you were friends with with Jack yeah, Kennedy, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but I, I I don't know that I was ever generous enough to to um, seriously consider um, running for uh, public office. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I. Uh, or, or, or if I if I was seriously considering, I wouldn't tell anybody. <laughs> uh, and and um, On your, so there. Okay, well, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Do, do yeah, you what? do you understand throughout your life the obsession with you and your personal life and your professional life? I mean, is it has it been flattering at times, or has it always been sort of a, a burden to kind well, of deal well, with? Well, I think that when you come up and you become famous very, very young. Which I did uh, because of the en- enormous talent of Kazan and Inge, yeah. and lucky enough to make a movie and become famous. And then you see what is happening with American morality, and uh, and you go to a place like Hollywood, which is uh, very uh, concerned with the uh, merchandising of. Um, um, uh, sexuality, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, merchandising of sexiness, then um, you you um, let's put it this way: I didn't avoid marriage; I avoided divorce. Right, <laughs> because what I saw happening was everybody getting divorced. Well. <laughs> I, I didn't want to be divorced, and I had very close relationships with some very wonderful women uh, who did not seem to be interested in divorce or marriage either. <laughs> right, and um, and um, then um, the the stories get kicked around. But if you wait until you're fifty four to get married. Um, that's a lot of time to be famous and to be rumored about with this thing or that thing. And the other thing that um, is, I think, more and more prevalent now is this thing called invented memory. 
Um, I think that we all do it to some extent or, or another. I try like hell to avoid it. Um, just natural embellishments and the embellishments of, of different relationships and, and relationships that didn't happen right. at all. And I've read a lot of this, you know, uh, about me, and I think, how interesting. Uh, <laughs> would anyone think that this would be conceivable? Yeah. Would it be possible? And um, and I, I I think that if 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 someone repeats something often enough, that those little factors go into the brain that makes them think it really happened. Right. And um, so um, I've, as you probably know, kind of avoided publicity right. for a, a long time. I thought I was being very shrewd <laughs> to avoid um, publicity. Um, and as I uh, like to say over and over again, I, I think a, a man who is not uh, paranoid is a man who is not in full possession of the facts. <laughs> so, so I uh, I think uh, so. Well, I, I think consciously or unconsciously, you alluded to like Garbo and Hughes. You kind of created in a in, in a smaller or different way your own fascination, uh, the pe- people's fascination with you by being a little elusive for so well, long. And well, it, it, it uh, I felt. You know, it was easier to be out of sight yeah. and and easier to to do to to have a private life. Yeah. Uh, well, finally, bring it full circle. Um, for rules don't apply. I'm just you curious. don't have to go faster because of the, okay, uh, okay, yeah. thank you. Well, just I'm, being a good person. <laughs> but, but the, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious. Like, you hadn't um, you hadn't been on a film set, I guess, probably in what 15 years. Um, since town and country, roughly, um, did it feel like? Is it natural for you to be acting? Is it? Does it? Did it take any kind of shift for you to kind of return to acting, or is that stuff sort of so ingrained, going all the way back to Stella Adler, that it's 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 like riding a bicycle when you get on the set of your own film? I, uh, go with a bicycle. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's not work. I mean, it's work, but it's not right. I mean. Acting is doing. Could you teach anyone to act, you think? Can anyone be an actor? I think you could make that case. Yeah. 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 Now, can, you, can anyone be a good actor? Right, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, that's, that's another. Yeah. That's, I don't know about that. What's, uh, what did you see in, in Lily and or Alden that excited you? Because you, you talked to a great number of actors, as I understand it, yeah. over the years of the development of this. I, thought, I saw people who were terribly attractive, um, um, uh, the right age for what happens in this movie, yeah. that they um, um, are both very intelligent, very ethical uh, – um, uh, both articulate, both with a genuine humility, which I think is a really necessary thing. Um, and um, they're funny. And um, uh, so it didn't take long for me to see that in them. I like to say that that, that – um, 
character in drama is plot. Mm. And so you'd have to say, particularly in a movie, that casting is character. Yeah. So then casting becomes plot in some way. Sure. So you, you see, oh, okay, now this person is going to play this part and that person's going to play that part, then how does this all kind of uh, work together? And that's where the fun is, yeah. is to, uh, is to, um, is to put it together. They'll both be, Lily and Alden, in my opinion, they will both be very good directors. There will be uh, the the future for the female in directing is unlimited, both as directing and and producing, yeah, and uh, and writing. Well, Lily, I mean, I've I've talked to her many times over the years. She comes out of like a journalistic background, I know, early mm-hmm. on. And Alden, I think, was a film student, film school student. Mm, yeah. And hey, the proof's in the pudding. He's the new Han Solo. Curly, we all see. Yes, that. yes. I mean, he was amazing in the Coen Brothers movie. He yes. stole the scenes in that one. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it strikes me like in, in reading about you and hearing you talk today, I mean you're somebody that likes to, as you say, exchange ideas and to yeah. kind of like debate in a constructive way yeah. and to come to a good point. Like is that – can you do that on a film set when time is money or, or is, that, is that a place where um, the conversations have to stop or are you – do you create an environment and a I, schedule I, that allows for those? I think you have to of... – you have to be able to do that on a film set. But you have to create circumstances in which you can actually do that and then um, other things are going on while you do it. Sure. Um, um, can have everybody sitting around yeah. for a day. And- uh, George Stevens Sr., who was very kind to me when I went to Hollywood, used to say, making a movie is like going to war. You know, you got to get the troops set up and then you go and you, and you do it. And uh, so much of it does depend on planning of time mm. and then allowing – Enough time to be out of control, allowing enough time to be improvisational right. or at least to be experimental in, in not doing it exactly the way you had planned but to be open to doing it um, because he or she comes up with a better – Right. Thought to try. Is, is, is that why – because I mean again, I've been reading about, for instance, Reds. Like some mm-hmm. of your actors, Diane and, and Gene Hackman, talked about like – I don't know if it was that on that film in particular or, or generally on all your films. You did a lot of takes at times on that one. At times, yeah. yeah. And is that is that just sort of again, hey, we're, this is – I mean I've heard Fincher talk about this where like you know, this is for perpetuity. This is for we're, – we're here yeah, to make yeah. it as, as great as can be. Yeah. We might as well keep yeah. going until we feel like we get it right. Uh, that's true. Uh, the, with the advent of digital, yeah. you can do it more now. You don't have to wait for the reloading. So if an actor has lost it, it used to be if, with film, if if they lost the impetus, the momentum while you're reloading and then it took a while to come back. So right. we don't have to worry about that as much. Uh, film has other advantages, but 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 digital is uh, very uh, good. But the the. The objective there is to be thoroughly enough planned to know what are the things that that it is mandatory to mm. to have done to to so that in the midst of that there can be a freedom to go against it or right. to change it and uh, the actors um, uh, 
uh, and it, it's sort of contagious right? if you're in a good situation. Uh, the way I found uh, Gene Hackman, for instance, we were <laughs> doing a movie together and I, I didn't think I was doing very well and suddenly this guy showed up. He had never done a movie before that Clyde, I knew right? of. Yeah. Huh? No, Bonnie. it was not Bonnie. Oh, Clyde. I no. thought that was his film debut. No, he was in Lilith, a movie that I made with Robert Rawson and okay. uh, he had a very small part in which he was playing uh, the husband of a former girlfriend of my characters, mm. you know. And uh, suddenly, I'm really good in a scene. And I think, <laughs> oh, it's because of this guy. <laughs> I need to bring and him to the next he one. He <laughs> was making me good in the scene. And and that uh, that happened. Um, so I, I couldn't do Bonnie and Clyde without him. Of course. <laughs> I thought he has to be in Bonnie and Clyde because – I'll be better, and not only he'll be great, <laughs> I'll be better. And um, by the way, I, I, that that very much applies to uh, uh, Lily and Alden mm. in uh, Rules Don't Apply. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, Alden, Ehrenreich, uh, um, I, I, I saw him, and he had, done a, he had been at NYU, and I saw right. him do a play. Annette and I went and saw this play, and he was very, very good. And then I saw him in the thing that Francis had done. He had yeah. done other things, and... And I thought he was really good. And I don't think he really believed that I wanted him to do the movie. And so he, he says to me, look, can I read for you? And I said, you don't have to read for me. I, please, I, I want to read for you. I said, Alden, you know, please, forget it. You don't, you don't have to read. And then the next time I saw him, I want to read for you. I, can't <laughs> I say, Alden, you don't have to read. And then um, – so finally, he did this a bunch of times. I said, okay, come on up to the house and read if you want to. And then uh, you saw the movie, yes. Yeah, and then that scene at the dock, you yeah. know, when, yep. and that um, which we did actually in one take that was all the yeah, way. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, so we're reading that scene and suddenly – now I've written the scene and I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. There's things in this scene it's that I better. haven't seen. It's better. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, he says, can we do it again? I said, yes. And so we did it again and we went through it and I thought – Oh, this is good. And then we did it again. And then I thought, oh, I've written a good scene here. <laughs> and then, and then there's a, uh, he did a fourth time, a fifth time. And then around the sixth time we did it, um, I realized that I was reading for him. <laughs> and I, I got the part, you know. <laughs> and uh, Amazing. so another actor can really, uh, yeah. it makes a, uh, all the difference in the world. And um, just to look, have you met Lily Collins? Yes, yeah. Well, then you know what I'm talking She's about. She's fantastic. I yeah. mean, it's uh, it's uh, not to mention Matthew Broderick, who's the funniest man in the world, or Alec Baldwin, who is uh, maybe the, also the funniest <laughs> man in the world, or Oliver Platt, who is also the funniest guy in the world, and then uh, Dabney Coleman and, and yeah, Candy I mean, Bergen, oh, yeah. and and there's that woman, that that woman, <laughs> that Annette Bening. She doesn't need I more publicity. She's, Come she's, on. Uh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> This is the best thing uh, that has ever occurred yeah. in my uh, existence, and uh, <laughs> and there you have it. You, you have a second publicity tour to do, just to get the good word out on her behalf to help her out. We need to we need to get her an Oscar she's, for. Uh, she's so good in that movie, Twentieth yeah. uh, Century Women. Oh. It's a good movie. It's fun. I've heard. It's, I've heard. Yeah. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time because I know you – Why don't you take up much of my time? <laughs> if you want to keep talking, I'm here all – I've got nothing no. else to do. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't believe that. You know, but, yeah. Well, tell me this. Do yeah. you think uh, – I'm very sad. Um, I feel like we're never going to see Gene Hackman act again. Do you talk to Gene at all when you mention him? I do, him? yeah. I, I think Gene um, 
Uh, I, Does he I, like his life? Is that yes? Is that, yeah, yes. I think he's interested in life. Okay, well, I can't argue with that. Probably what makes him a great actor. You yeah, know? I guess. He, he's interested in life. Um, and what about Jack? Is same Jack, thing with Jack. Yeah, it's uh, you guys and your happy lives. We need yeah. more. We need you to be a little less happy and more yeah. needy. Well, I'm trying to be. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be unhappy. <laughs> I'm trying to bring you down so yeah. you act more for us. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it's been it's good. been a true honor to have you here today. Honestly, it's been a it's been a pleasure to talk to you and to hear these wonderful stories. And I, and I wish you the best of luck on this film. Rules don't apply. Every, everybody should check it out. And um, thank you so much for your time today, Warren. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. (laughs) This episode of Happy, Sad, Confused was produced by Michael Catano, James T. Green, Mukta Mohan, and Kasia Mihailovic for the MTV Podcast Network, with additional engineering by Little Everywhere. You can subscribe to this and all of our other shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts. The Jeep Wrangler 4xe. It's electrified. So you can boogie, woogie, woogie up a mountain, over creeks, or boogie, woogie, woogie through a desert where you get bit by a pit viper. So you boogie, woogie, woogie back to camp and ask your friends if they'll suck the snake venom out when they say no. You boogie, woogie, woogie to the nearest hospital for a dose of antivenom and boogie, woogie, woogie your way to a full recovery. The electrified Jeep Wrangler 4xe. Learn more at Jeep.com. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC.